It is Thursday, November 10th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 10 Preview Edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, Jared Small. And Jared, we've got what's supposed to be a rain-soaked Falcons-Panthers remix tonight in Charlotte. As if that didn't sound like a boring enough game, like encouraging those two teams to run the ball (laughs) makes it sound like it's going to be even uglier. It might be an early bedtime night. Hey, the last time these two teams met a few weeks ago was a, a fun one, or at least a fun ending. I don't think it was fun for three and a half quarters, but, you know, we had the P.J. Walker throw of the year still. I was going to say, I didn't tune into anything except the Hail Mary at the end, and then and that, of course, brought overtime. And I, I think that that game might be, I don't know, escalating expectations for the second time around. Because if you take away that one play from P.J. Walker, you take yeah. away overtime, he was at like 175 passing yards or something like that. This just doesn't look like a game that's going to give us fantasy fireworks. Although there are certainly guys that we're considering using. Yeah, I mean, both defenses are bad. I mean, I think, you know, the Panthers' offense is also bad. Atlanta's offense, actually, by the numbers, is better than I think people will give it credit for. But, I, I mean, I think on the Atlanta side, it's it's mostly the backfield. I think Cordell Patterson's the, the first guy you want to play. He, you know, returned last week, was in uh, you know, almost a, you know, one-third committee with Huntley and Algier. I think Patterson's role is going to grow a bit going forward. I do think Algier especially is going to remain involved. But I think you're going to be looking at, you know, 15 or so touches per game out of Patterson. And again, it's a nice matchup here. The Falcons running game was productive against Carolina a few weeks ago. I still think Patterson's their, their best runner. Um, he looked good last week. Actually, he had a third touchdown called back by a penalty. So it could have been a massive game in his return. Yeah, uh, he came back and got that share that you mentioned, got those two touchdowns. So we like that he's getting it near the goal line. I agree. I expect him to continue to take a little bit more. I don't think he's going to turn into a feature back. They're going to keep the other guys involved because why not? But I think he siphons a tiny bit from Tyler Algier, probably a little bit more from Caleb Huntley. Those three combined for 30 carries last week with Patterson back. They also combined for 30 carries the last time against Carolina. Obviously, there was no Patterson in that one, but Algier and Huntley combined for 30 carries in that one. So there should be plenty of rushing work. I noticed in putting together my underdog pickums article yesterday that we have both Patterson and Algier over the underdog line for their rushing yardage this week. That doesn't mean that we think both of them are going to have big games, but it does mean mm-hmm. that there is room for both of them to have fantasy relevant level days like we saw both of them do last week yeah we know Atlanta's going to run the ball Carolina 24th and football outsiders run defense DBA over the past five weeks they just gave up the massive game to, to Joe Mixon as you said um, Atlanta had 130 rushing yards from their running backs in uh, the first time these two teams met so I, I yeah I think there's enough to go around for both guys again I think Patterson's the better fantasy back but Algier you know again with four teams that buy this week is, is a decent RB3 or flex play yeah and on the well Kind of on the passing side. He's the guy who's going to do the passing if they pass it. But Marcus Mariota took some blame this week for Kyle Pitts' crappy start to the season. Uh, did a shark bite this morning, so you can check that out for the full thing. But basically, Mariota said, I'm being too conservative. I need to give him more chances to make plays now. The one, at least one issue with Marcus Mariota through his career as a starter so far has been that he's been too conservative. If you just look back over his numbers in Tennessee, he never threw a ton of picks because he doesn't take a whole lot of chances. So we'll see if this is something he can fix or just something he realizes. I know I have things that I'm like, that's a problem. I should do that differently. And then I go about doing the exact same thing. It's at least hope that he realizes it says that it's something he should do differently. I think it's enough to put Kyle Pitts comfortably inside our top 12, as comfortable as you can get in that bottom half of the top 12 at tight end. 
And like, I I'm going to easily use him over some other guys in his range this week. And we'll see what happens beyond this. I mean, Pitts' problem has not been Mariota not throwing to him enough. Pitts has a 31% target share over Atlanta's last four games. Now, that's equated to just six targets per game because, you know, Atlanta's only thrown 20, 25 game, times a game or whatever. So, you know, Mariota's looking to Pitts when he's throwing. He's just not throwing a lot, and he's not been super efficient throwing to Kyle Pitts. He obviously missed him on what would have been like a 70-yard touchdown last week. Pitts was wide open, but – um, I bet the over on Kyle Pitts receiving yards tonight at 39 and a half yards. He went for 80 yards in the first meeting against Carolina. Carolina's 26th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So we know the deal with Pitts. I mean, there is theoretical upside there. The, the floor is still low just in this offense. And he's the only passing game piece that I'm really yeah. considering here. Like if you need Mariota, fine, but there's nobody else I'm looking for. And that's a. Yep, same deal with Drake London. Uh, you know, four catches, 31 yards when these teams met a couple weeks ago. London, again, you know, 22% target share over the last four games, but that's just 4.3 targets per game in this offense. Yeah. On the Panthers' side, we'll see if Chuba Hubbard's active. Full practice the past two days, but still listed as questionable for the game. So we'll see what that means for him. I would guess that even if he's active, it means Deontay Foreman's going to be the first running back in. He's easier to play if there's no Chuba Hubbard. But I certainly think that Foreman's in play either way for this matchup. Falcons fifth most friendly to running back scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hubbard was playing ahead of Foreman before he went down in that you know first game without Christian McCaffrey. I think Foreman's played well enough over the past couple of weeks, you know, specifically in that first meeting against Atlanta to be the lead back. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 80-20 split in favor of Foreman tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to 50-50. So it adds some risk. But like you said, Matchup's good enough against Atlanta. Should be a game that Carolina can keep, you know, close enough where they can run the ball, you know, 20, 25 times between these two guys. So I, I think Foreman's okay to stick with it as an RB2. And I, I I try to stay away from Hubbard this week until we, you know, see what kind of role he's returning to. Yeah. And I would, I would say, like, I would bet on a 60-40 split with the potential for it to be more like the 80-20. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, DJ Moore, relatively comfortable start, low wide receiver two. Obviously, the way last week went makes it less comfortable than it should be. But, you know, it's still like a broken couch as in terms of comfort level. Terrace Marshall, like there's some upside. People are asking this week if they should pick him up. if He's a good weekly play going forward. I would say no. Um, there's some upside, but there's also still the quarterback issue, whether it's P.J. Walker all night tonight or he gets pulled for somebody else and the weather issue. Yeah, we'll see about the weather. I mean if you're rostering Marshall and not starting him this week, like I don't really know why you're rostering him because, you know, Atlanta is the worst defense against wide receivers. They're still missing their top two corners for this game. AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward. Um, you know, Marshall's on the field. He's basically playing every snap. He's out there for basically every pass play. He's seen 25 and 20% target shares over the last two weeks. So like the, the usage is there. It's just, it's, you know, PJ Walker. That, that's kind of the, the, the downside for Marshall. I would say that if you are rostering Marshall, you're rostering him to see if what's happened the past two weeks continues. I don't think two weeks is enough for me to say it's time to use him or drop him. Yeah, that, that's fair. He's looked pretty good, though. He's a, he's a guy we liked coming out uh, last year, so we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely – the fact that he's in the discussion this week is a big positive for the way that oh, his yeah. career has started. For sure. Nothing else from that game, right? No. Seattle versus Tampa Bay Sunday morning in Munich, Germany. The Bucks by three points in this game for some reason. Over under is 44 and a half. The Bucks are implied for 23.75 points here. It doesn't seem like an outlandish number. It's just eighth on the week, but that's among 28 teams. So it's well above the middle. 
I think it's too high, Jared. They've reached that number once all year. They're 17th in overall offensive DVOA. They're 10th in passing, 31st in rushing. Seattle's 12th in defensive DVOA for the year, second best in the league over the past four weeks versus the Bucks at 24th on defense, 13th on offense versus the Bucks' 18th on offense over that same span. The Seahawks are just a better team on both sides of the ball right now. I actually paused as I was doing my notes for the show, went and bet the Seahawks to win this game outright and then jump back to it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. The, the numbers would tell you that Seattle's the better team right now. I think it's it's a fair bet. I'm not compelled to, to make it, but I, I do think it makes sense. The, the Bucks' problem has been in the red zone. They are 30th in the NFL in touchdown rate in the red zone. You know, the percentage of red zone trips they're converting into touchdowns um so i that you know that's gonna swing back at some point they're, you know they haven't been a great offense they're like middle of the pack in yards per play and total yards but they are gonna you know i think get some positive touchdown regression especially tom brady who's still sitting on a 2.5 percent passing touchdown rate that's just absurdly low and it's especially low for you know someone like brady who's been above average in terms of touchdown rate throughout his career yeah i, I agree that there's some regression coming i think another part of that issue though is an offensive line that's been terrible this year seventh worst in run blocking and that's going to get exacerbated the closer you get to the goal line because you know you just tend to run it more to get it into the end zone from there so yeah, you know, I, I think some regression. I don't know that we're going to get a complete correction. And again, I don't think that the Bucks are in for as many points this week. I'm not sure how much of the fantasy impact there is on that because Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're all in most lineups in most cases. Fournette has not been awesome by any means, but the target volume is yeah. keeping him like well inside at, at least high in RB2 range, if not low in RB1 range. I was getting ready for this and thinking uh, Leonard Fournette's too high in our rankings. And then I went and looked and I was like, ah, I guess he's not. He kind of has to be right there. I think that every single week when <laughs> I first open up the RB rankings after doing the projections, that's, I mean, you can't bank on more than like 40 rushing yards from the guy at this point. He's been so inefficient. He has fewer than 10 carries in three straight games now too. Um, it was nine carries for Fournette to eight for Rashad White last time out um you know the, the snaps were still like 60 percent 40 percent in favor of Leonard Fournette like you said he's still getting enough work in the passing game and of course you know running back is just so shaky outside the top like eight or nine guys so I I think you have to kind of reluctantly continue starting Leonard Fournette but you know, you're kind of hoping for five or six catches then maybe he falls into the end zone otherwise he's probably going to be underwhelming I think Tom Brady is the biggest question to answer here among Bucks offensive guys for fantasy Seahawks have only allowed five total QB touchdowns over the past five games so I would try to lean away from Tom Brady, but I wouldn't go out of my way to find somebody. There's not a whole lot in the streaming arena right. for quarterback this week. Like Daniel Jones might be the best streaming level. Well, I, if Trevor Lawrence is probably a streaming level option, I could see playing Trevor Lawrence over Tom Brady. I would not play Daniel Jones over Tom Brady. And that's kind of the area I think where he belongs. Yeah, that's the problem. There's not many other options this week. Like I don't like Brady, as you, you've said, you know, the Seahawks defense has been good for a while now. Brady's been underwhelming. Again, the, the touchdown rate, that you know, he's gonna have a Joe Mixon type of game where you know that kind of snaps <laughs> no, back. Not, not saying he's gonna have a, a five touchdown game. He's gonna have he's gonna have a that's game. That's exactly what you he said. Throws, <laughs> he throws three or four touchdowns and the touchdown rate all of a sudden is up, up at like three and a half, four percent. That that's gonna happen. I I'm not betting I'm not betting on it happening this week against this Seattle defense. But yeah, the big thing is like it's Daniel Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Stafford. Those are the guys like behind Brady in our rankings. So I think, you know, for the most part, if Brady's, you know, been your guy all season, you're probably sticking with him this week. 
Let's look at the upcoming schedule for the Bucks and see if we can project exactly what game uh, is, is Joe Mixon game. So obviously they have the bye <laughs> after the Germany trip. Then it's at Cleveland. That could be a three touchdown game. After that's the Saints, which the defense itself kind of opens up that opportunity. But Tom Brady like sees the Saints <laughs> right. and he's like, oh, crap, I don't know how to play anymore. So. I, I it think might not come until week, uh, what is this, week 16 against the Cardinals. If you can still be alive somehow, Brady yeah. might go for four and touchdowns that week. So you will have had to get through four more games <laughs> of Tom Brady should have thrown more than one touchdown. And then all of a sudden, yeah. week 16, you got to decide to keep him in your lineup. Well, so just to give you an idea of this touchdown, right? I, I looked this up. There have been 290 quarterback seasons of 300 plus pass attempts over the past 10 years. There's only eight of those 290 with a lower passing touchdown rate than Tom Brady has right now. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's just absurdly low. Yeah, it's coming. I think that we should get, I'm not going to bet on two in this game, but it's obviously possible he throws two of them. I think that there is a pretty good chance we get two plus in the Browns and Saints games. We'll see about that 49ers matchup. Bengals could kind of go either way. And then those Cardinals and Panthers spots. Let's just hope that he does enough between now and then to be an option. Because if we can start, Tom Brady with some level of confidence in weeks 16 and 17, he certainly could be a helper for our final two fantasy weeks. For sure. He, he's, he looks fine to me still. It's just, I, I, you mentioned the O-line. I think that that's a big problem. Um, Chris Godwin has been way less efficient this season than he's been in the past, which I think makes sense coming off the ACL. I think that's been an issue here too. So there's just kind of a lot of little things adding up. And I mean, if you play into week 18, they're at Atlanta that week. So um, <laughs> Tom Brady's somebody worth like putting that's, on your roster just for that, especially if you already have a solid QB one. That's, that's when he's going for five touchdowns. Once everyone's not playing fans. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anymore. There's this Joe Mixon game for you. Cade Otten, I think, is the other question to answer here. And that's a question we can't answer yet, I think, because Cameron Brait looks like he's on yeah. track to return full practice Wednesday. So it would have been a decent spot for Cade Otten that's been the softest area of this Seattle pass defense. But unless we get the coaches saying, nah, Cade, Cade's shown enough to be our guy, yeah. I'd have a tough time trusting him with Brait yeah. back in the lineup. Yeah, and Cade Otten should be their guy. He He's looked solid to me and Cameron Brate's been like one of the least efficient tight ends in the NFL for the past two or three years now. So I, I won't, I won't be surprised if Otten maintains like most of the tight end work, but um, I think ideally you wait to see it. Like I'm keeping Otten stashed in leagues where I you know don't have a locked in starter at tight end, but I'm, I'm definitely trying not to use him this week, assuming Brate's back. On the Seattle side, I think it's it's pretty straightforward at this point. Like, Geno Smith has become a guy that you have to make a case against rather mm-hmm. than a case for. He's sixth in our rankings this week. I'm starting him over Kyler Murray as well from there. I know that's going to shock people who've been watching this show uh, every week. Kenneth Walker, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, all fairly easy calls. So it's it's not an especially friendly matchup for any of those guys to the Bucks, but it's also not a scary matchup. Yeah, I think the only other guy to consider here is Noah Fant, who um, his role has climbed. He averaged just 2.8 targets per game over the first four. He's up to 4.6 targets per game over the last five. You know, still, still not a big number. It's kind of a neutral matchup against Tampa. So don't don't love Noah Fant, but he is like, you know, inside the top 20 in our rankings this week, maybe in deeper leagues. He's someone you have to look to as a bi-week option. Denver at Tennessee back stateside. Titans by two and a half over under 36 and a half in this week's matchup where fantasy points go to die. The Tennessee defense, we already know the Denver defense is good. The Tennessee defense is up to 10th in overall defensive DVOA, according to Football Outsiders, 15th against the pass. So not long ago, we looked at this like a pass funnel matchup. Yeah, you can't run the ball in this one, but you'll be able to throw as much as you want. 
that's definitely not the case for me for the outlook this week, especially considering the way that Denver has thrown the ball so far this year. And the Tennessee defense has gotten better lately. Five straight games of 20 points or fewer allowed, three plus sacks and one plus takeaway. In that span, the Chiefs are the only opponent that has reached 20 points, and it took them to overtime to do it. <laughs> took them like 100 offensive snaps in that game <laughs> to do it. So, yeah, Tennessee's seventh in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks. So it's not a good matchup for Russ, but the thing that's working in Denver's passing game favor this week is that Tennessee's run defense is awesome and teams aren't even trying to run against them. Tennessee is dead last in uh, pass rate or sorry, they're, they're first in pass rate over expected against meaning teams are going super pass heavy against them. So you do expect more passing volume from the Broncos side this week. Um, we have them coming off the bye. Russell Wilson's off the injury report. So, you know, the hamstring shouldn't be an issue anymore. Russ also had his second best PFF passing grade of the season. Last time out, he was eighth in the league that week. So, you know, some reasons for optimism. I still want to see it first before trusting Russ in a fantasy lineup, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he gets going a bit this week. Are you sure it wasn't the British exchange rate that pumped up his passer rating last week? The last <laughs> time out could have been, I mean, the smart thing to do would be lean pass against this defense. And that's what we've seen lately. But one thing that Denver has been doing has been <laughs> playing dumb on offense. So yeah, I, I I hope, I hope for the sake of the team or two, maybe I'm going to have to check my lineups where I'm starting Russell Wilson this week. I hope that something gets going. He at least throws a couple of touchdowns, but I'm certainly not bet on betting on him from yeah. a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. That, that implied total, uh, but you say it's at 18, 17 points now that that's what would scare me away from starting Wilson. Yeah. I believe it's the second lowest on the week. Yeah among all teams i have it somewhere but uh yeah it's pretty low oh yeah no no didn't find it all right so we'll move on to the broncos oh yeah there it is second lowest implied total they're ahead of only washington at philly they're behind houston at the giants they're behind sam and jeff saturday yeah that's 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 scary that's gross jerry judy Cortland sutton they're in wide receiver three territory I think they're fine. Can't say that I feel confident starting either one. The Bronco that I like the most this week is Greg Dulcich. 13.3 yard a dot so far. He's only played three games. So, you know, a small sample, but that's what we got to go with him so far. It's a it's ninth among all tight ends in a dot. Only Kyle Pitts is higher than Greg Dulcich among starting tight ends. And Dulcich is beating him in yards per route run. No surprise. Titans second most friendly to tight end scoring by adjusted fantasy points allowed so far behind only the Seahawks who remain broken on that page. If you look at it on draftsharks.com because of the Taysom Hill game. Yeah. I'm with you. I think Dalsich, you know, relative to the rest of his position is the best play on Denver this week. You mentioned the matchup. You mentioned the ADOT um, 5.7 targets per game for Dalsich through his first three NFL games, 60% target share. And last time out, you know, the game before the bye week, 91% of the pass routes, which is just a number you, you know, only see out of the truly elite tight end. So, um, you know, unless something's going to change coming out of the bye, also just going to be a guy who's you know, probably going to be ranked as a top 10 tight end for us for most of the, the rest of the weeks this season. Anything else on offense there? Nothing on Denver side. And I think Tennessee's easy. It's, it's Derek Henry and that's it. Yep. Yeah. We'll see who's playing quarterback, but I don't think it really matters. Nope. And Denver's run D has struggled lately too. So it could, it could set up as a big Henry game. Cleveland at Miami dolphins by three and a half over under 40, 48 and a half Miami 10th in scoring fifth in yards on offense. They're bottom 10 in both scoring and yardage defense. So it, this should be like last week against Chicago. One of those games where you don't immediately think, Oh, offensive explosion, but it 
very well could be one of the best spots for fantasy points this week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Miami looks like a shootout team at this point. We know the offense is awesome. The pass defense has been bad all year. Even the run defense now, over the last five weeks, they're 22nd in football outsiders run defense DVOA. So they're not really stopping anything on defense. So I think you're um, starting all the usuals on the Browns side. You know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, an RB3 play. Amari Cooper's a strong play. David Njoku is one we're going to have to see about coming off a high ankle sprain. He expressed some optimism that he'd, he'd be back earlier this week, but he did not practice on Wednesday. So that, that's not a good start. Yeah, it doesn't bode well coming out of the bye. So I would try not to use David Njoku this week. Like him the rest of the way, though. So definitely a good person to have on your roster. I'm sure there are some smaller leagues where he is on waivers right now after being out for a few weeks. So I would stash him. On the Miami side, the backfield's limited by the split between Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And like you could look at the way that they used Wilson last week and say, oh, that was his first game with the team after being there only a few days. That's only going to grow. I would bet that they continue to split going forward because the team has every reason to try to keep both guys healthy the rest of the way. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be Wilson's role grows mirror. I think this is going to be a 50-50 split for the rest of the season, assuming both these guys stay healthy. Um, I think that's kind of what McDaniel envisioned for his backfield to start the season. And as we said, you know, Chase Edmonds just wasn't good enough to make that happen. Now we have a guy, Jeff Wilson, who's been good uh, with San Francisco and in his debut with the Dolphins, and he obviously knows this offense. So, um, yeah, I think both guys are going to be like, high-end RB3, maybe low-end RB2s. I mean, the offense is good enough to support both of them as fantasy starters, but um, you know, you're not probably going to get more than 15 touches out of either guy. Yeah, it's like it's like if Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray were, I don't know, seven years younger and in a good offense. It's like if, uh, it's like if uh, the Packers were good, Aaron Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. <laughs> I'm not sure either of these guys is quite Aaron Jones, but... Yeah, that that kind of split, though, the what the Packers were trying to do at running back before they realized that A.J. Dillon's not good. New Orleans at Pittsburgh Saints by one and a half over under 40. It's still Andy Dalton for the Saints behind center for now. I would definitely stash Jameis Winston, Superflex, 2QB, um, mm-hmm. any of those kind of leagues, though. Rough outing versus Baltimore on Monday night for Andy Dalton. Solid against the Raiders the week before, but also rough against the Cardinals and Bengals before that. I would be surprised if Andy Dalton starts every game from here to the end of the season. Me too. Have they even confirmed he's their starter? I guess they haven't said either way, which probably means they're going to stick with him. But yeah, I feel like they said early in the week, I- I'm going to keep going with Andy, at least for this week. I don't know if it was rest of the season. I mean, the, the one guy who Dalton is good for has been Alvin Kamara, obviously, who, you know, disappointed last week. But his role is actually better last week than it had been uh, with Mark Ingram out last week. Kamara played 88% of the Saints snaps, ran her out on 75% of the pass plays. And the Steelers are dead last in football outsiders run defense DVOA over the past five weeks. So this is definitely a good bounce back spot for Kamara. Steelers should get TJ Watt back. It's not confirmed, but they're optimistic that he's going to play for the first time in week one in this game. They got a bunch of other injuries on that defense, though. Miles Jack didn't practice on Wednesday. Um, some other guys, all guys that don't swing the thing, you know, on their own, but the collection of injuries could make it a softer matchup. And beyond Alvin Kamara, there's not a whole lot more worth talking about. I mean, Chris Olave, it just belongs in lineups at this point. And then the yeah. only other thing is we'll see if Jarvis Landry plays this week. Yeah, Jamal Johnson's the other guy here. Um, if you started him last week, he obviously bailed you out with that late touchdown, tight roping down the sidelines. He did, you know, he only saw two targets last week. He did run a route on 83% of the pass plays, which is a really strong number. So he, he's still at least 
in the mix, you know, down there with Noah Fant if you need a bye week option this week. Yeah, that was his second game cracking. No, third game going over 40 yards. He had one other game of 40 yards. He does hasn't gone over 43 yards in a game. So he's one of those that you're like, oh, yes, it worked. But the very next week, he catches two for 14 and does nothing. You're like, oh, maybe he's not that good. So yeah. for sure. I, well outside the top 12, but somebody that can take it home for you. Yep. On the Steelers side, Saints D is down to the middle of the league in defensive DVOA. It's not a scary matchup at this point. The backfield, I think, is in focus this week because Mike Tomlin has said that Jalen Warren is going to have the opportunity to get more work. That has the fantasy community relatively excited about Jalen Warren, and I'm not really sure that that's Warren. Like, he's he's been fun to watch as a player in the preseason and on touches here and there, but the absolute ceiling for Jalen Warren is that Najee Harris gets hurt and then Jalen Warren gets all of a backfield that has not supported Najee Harris so far this year. No, yeah. The, the bigger takeaway here is to be, you know, even less excited about Najee Harris than we were, you know, two weeks ago because we know he's been underwhelming for fantasy anyways. And if he's going to lose any touches to, to Jalen Warren, um, that, that makes him an even shakier option, obviously. I, I think Warren should be rostered, you know, in fantasy leagues of 12 plus teams for sure, maybe even some smaller leagues. Um, and we'll see what it looks like coming out of the bye. I, w- I, would, I would still not be wanting to start Jalen Warren this week. Yes. I would love to not start either Pittsburgh running back, no matter what the matchup is right now. And yep. uh, make sure that you're not excited about Jalen Warren. I agree. Roster him. I've stashed him in, on some teams. Uh, and obviously it would help if, if Najee Harris gets hurt, but he's not just going to push Najee Harris out of the way and take over the backfield at best. He's going to get a little bit more work than Najee Harris does. And that's just not going to yep. do much for us in this offense. Yep. Agreed. Solid spot this week for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Marshawn Lattimore still not practicing for the Saints defense as of Wednesday. It's the first game since Chase Claypool got traded. So we finally get to see, finally, uh, what the target distribution <laughs> looks like without Claypool. That certainly at least gives a little bit more upside to both of those guys, makes it a little bit easier to like both of them. Yeah, Claypool had averaged uh, 6.3 targets per game. So it's not a not a small opportunity he's leaving behind. I think it's obviously good news for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I, I'm excited about Pickens. I think he I think he's looked like their best wide receiver for most of the season. Coming off the bye now, we oftentimes see rookies, you know, take on even bigger roles coming off the bye. Mike Tomlin, though, kind of highlighted Pat Fryermuth as a guy who's going to benefit from Chase Claypool's departure. And that makes sense because Claypool had been playing in the slot 40 of 50 40 of Claypool's 50 targets this season have come from the slot. So, you know, that's kind of the area of the field that's going to be opened up now. And that's obviously um, a spot where Fryermuth has done a lot of his damage as well. So tough matchup for Fryermuth here against the Saints. Um, so maybe we don't get the ceiling game this week, but he's definitely got maybe consider looking into buying Fryermuth um, right now if you're looking for you know a solid weekly starter at tight end. And probably a softer matchup than it would normally be because Pete Warner is trending toward not playing at linebacker for the Saints this week. I already mentioned Marshawn Lattimore is out. They will still have Demario Davis, who is their better coverage linebacker, but, you know, softer than it would be. And if Pat Fryermuth is getting more opportunities, that will help. One other thing working against the fantasy upside in this game, though, these two teams are 27th and 25th in neutral situation play pace. So it might just be yeah. one of these games where, you know, it ends like 17, 13. Definitely. Definitely. 
Detroit at Chicago Bears by three over under 48 and a half. Time to get excited about a Lions Bears game. The Bears, Jared, it's not that long ago that we were like, God, this offense, I don't want to play anything from it. This week, the fifth highest implied total out of 28 teams for the week. Justin Fields has gone from, man, I wish I could use him to, I can't not use Justin Fields this week. He's third in our QB rankings. Still trying not to use any of his pass catchers, though. Yeah, I mean, Fields is an obvious play. Um, I don't know. I guess Darnell Mooney is like, I think, might have snuck into wide receiver three range in the rankings. I'd have to look. But um, yeah. I mean, he still saw eight targets last week, 29% target share. He's averaging 7.2 targets over his last five games. And the Lions are obviously a good matchup. But we'll see if Chase Claypool starts to eat more into that. I mean, Claypool really could, though, could just take a lot of what they've been, you know, having to give to like Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis. So I think, I think Mooney you know, might still see enough volume, especially in a good matchup like this to be, to be a decent fantasy play. Yeah. I mean, if you need to use Darnell Mooney, if he's your best option, that's fine. I don't think that you need to go hunting for somebody else. I do think that I would probably take a shot on George Pickens over Mooney because I think the ceiling is probably higher there. Yeah. I'd I'd be good with that too. Um, I, I still think Cole Komet is a trap probably. I mean, the matchup is good here, which I think is the best thing working in his favor, but Last week was the first time all season that he topped four targets in a game. Um, even with the Bears throwing it more over the past four games now, he's averaging just 3.5 targets per game. So I, st- I still think you probably need a touchdown out of him for that to pay off. And like, yeah, the Bears have the high implied total this week, but I still think it's likely that a lot of that scoring comes on the ground. Um, so, you know, Komet, Komet's not very high in our uh, week 10 rankings. I think you, you can still probably do better at tight end. Yeah, I would prefer Cole Komet over Juwan Johnson. And when Hunter Henry is on the schedule, like that's the range where I think Cole Komet belongs. I would play him over those two guys because I trust the way the quarterback's playing and the way the offense is rolling right now more. Yeah, that's fair. Dave Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, I think that's a solid spot for them. The Detroit defense has been one that we've targeted with running backs. Obviously, the fact that Herbert has seen his role grow in recent weeks hurts. But it was still David Montgomery leading the playing time pretty easily last time out. Yeah, it's funny that it was the Thursday night game where the snaps were about even. But otherwise, Montgomery's been over 70% of the snaps in four of the past five games. Um, Herbert's been under 30% in four of the past five games. The, you know, the touches have been a bit closer. But to me, you know, Montgomery's still the clear leader in this backfield. He's like an RB2 in this matchup against Detroit. Herbert's an RB3. Yeah, it's similar, I think, to Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier in terms of usability. Both usable, Montgomery first. The yep. the presence of the second guy keeps the first one from being exciting. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, Khalil Herbert's 56th among running backs and expected fantasy points over the past four. So he's He's been doing it on efficiency, which is always a bit dangerous. But again, the matchup's good this week. On the Detroit side, do we have any word from Dan Campbell on how he feels about DeAndre Swift this week? Because it's he had a limited Wednesday. That's better than yep. last week when he didn't practice at all. But still, two weeks ago, we had full practices every day for DeAndre Swift, and then we had 10 touches against the yep. Dolphins. And so Campbell on Monday said – I have it here, the quote. He said, we'll see what he looks like on Wednesday and Thursday. If he feels a little bit better than he did last week, he's going to get more of a load. I think it's looking pretty encouraging. So I don't know what any of that means. It sounds like Swift might be on the upswing. But, um, man, until we see him get bigger volume, it's kind of tough to trust him in fantasy lineups. Yeah, I would say if we get full practices today and tomorrow, then maybe yeah. you feel a little bit better about him. But it's certainly you, you certainly can't feel comfy until we get it in the game, which, you know, is rough. So yeah. 
you know, we'll have Swift, we'll have all of the up-to-date news and words from Dan Campbell in mind as we rank De- uh, DeAndre Swift through the yeah. weekend. So you can check the rankings for sure on DraftSharks.com come Sunday morning and see exactly who we would play him over and not play him over. I think the whole situation certainly helps Jamal Williams as an option still. Yeah, he had 24 carries last week. He actually has double-digit carries in every game this season. It's a good matchup against the Bears. Um, so I think Williams is, is a nice RB2 play this week. And then there's really nothing else beyond that besides Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit, right? Correct. Minnesota at Buffalo Bills by just three and a half over under 43 and a half. And that's down five points in both of those categories from where it opened because Vegas is not ready to bet that Josh Allen is playing at least not being close to normal Josh Allen. So that's what we're going to be watching all this week. And do we have any kind of update beyond him not practicing Wednesday and having, you know, the UCL injury that he's going to have to deal with one way or the other? And nothing from the team, nothing really from like, you know, the big insiders, Schefter and Rapport. They're just saying it's, you know, like truly a day by day situation where they're going to see how Allen responds and how that elbow feels. Um, you know, m- most of the Twitter doctors we follow tend to believe he's not going to play this week. And that it is a case where like there's a chance to make it worse. If he, you know, takes, takes a hit on that elbow. I've also read that, you know, it's, it's something that's going to affect his performance as well. Like it's not just a pain tolerance thing. It's a functionality thing. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like if Allen plays, it's almost impossible not to start him in fantasy. But um, at this point, I think we're leaning towards him not playing on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of one of those spots where you're, it, it hurts everybody to not have Josh Allen in there, but you kind of want them to sit him just for the better chance that the elbow is healthier going yeah. forward. Uh, Stefan Diggs is starting regardless of who the quarterback is. But Jared, if it's Case Keenum for this game, who are you starting between Gabe Davis and Darnell Mooney? Uh, Darnell Mooney. Yeah, that's the way I would lean as well. What about Donovan Peoples-Jones and Zay Jones mm-hmm. versus Gabe Davis? Oh, I thought you were just comparing those two guys. <laughs> no, just here are some um, other random guys. I, I I probably benched Gabe honestly. I he's he just meshes so well with Allen's style. Right. Like Allen's going to take those deep shots to Gabe. Diggs. I, I think you could see Stefan Diggs get like 35% of the targets if it's Case Keenum. Keenum and Diggs played together, by the way, in Minnesota for one season, 2017. So there's some chemistry there. Um, I would and definitely be trying. Game. We got double revenge, revenge game. here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Diggs, you keep in lineups regardless. Yeah. Davis is a guy I'd be trying to bench if there's no Josh Allen. Yeah. And I would feel the same way about Dawson Knox. Yeah, for sure. What about. Drake London or Terrace Marshall tonight versus Oof. Gabe Davis. Oh goodness. Who do we check the rankings? What do we have? <laughs> I think both of those guys are behind Gabe Davis in yeah. the rankings right now. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, at that point I'd probably take a shot on Gabe. Hope he just, you know, finds the end zone, makes one big play. The bills run defense has been a bit more generous the past two weeks, first against the Packers and then against the jets last week, Dalvin cook's starting anyway. So it doesn't really matter, but it might be a little bit better spot than it looked like a few weeks ago. The TJ Hawkinson, I think is the other, I don't know, semi question mark among guys you're considering for the Vikings. Great debut, nine targets, caught them all. Um, got enough yardage. It's a tougher matchup this week. If Matt Milano is back at linebacker for the bills, he was limited Wednesday. I still can't believe how big a role Hawkinson played out of the game. I mean, 84% of the routes, like you said, nine targets, 22% target share. I mean, to me, he's like very tough to bench after what we just saw. Um, Even if this is a tougher matchup, Bill's defense has all sorts of injuries. I mean, they have all season. It's not looking much better now. I think uh, Greg Rousseau is going to miss this game. Poyer is looking iffy. You you mentioned Milano. So this, this matchup in general doesn't look as scary as it did earlier in the season. 
Tremaine Edmonds also missed practice Wednesday. He's day to day. So yeah, this could be a much different Bills defense, which has been dealing with injuries all season. It, it, it might just be a softer defense the rest of the mm-hmm. way. So we'll see how that develops as a matchup. Yep. Any other players to hit on from that game? No, I, I do think Devin Singletary actually might get a boost mm-hmm. if there's no Josh Allen, just, you know, more running from the Bills in general. Maybe Singletary actually gets a goal on carry for once. He doesn't go to Josh Allen. So um, I, I think Singletary is like a decent RB2 play. Yes, I agree that Devin Singletary, I, I stopped short of saying he looks better um, if there's no Josh Allen because the offense yeah. overall is not going to be as good, but he definitely could have a higher touch threshold without Josh Allen in there. Yes, yeah, we, you know, Singletary's volume projection got a boost when we, you know, took out Allen, put in Keenan, made all the adjustments. We have Singletary for more touches now than we did before. Case Keenum could come up on the DFS shows tomorrow, though, if, uh, if he's mm-hmm. trending toward play. We got Keenan. We got John Walford potentially. We got all sorts no. of cheap quarterbacks to, to consider. No, no thanks on the John Walford front, but Case you want to play Case Keenum and not John Walford? What? You want to play Case Keenum and not John Walford? Oh yeah, Case Keenum's <laughs> done things. Nah. He's he, he's a he's a good backup. He's a good backup. <laughs> Houston at the Giants. Giants by five over under forty and a half. The Giants are not a good defense, but. They sit mid-pack in yards allowed, ninth best in scoring defense. You know, they have not been – every week I look at the Giants and think, oh, this should be a good spot for so-and-so on the other offense. And every week it's not a blow-up spot. So Damian Pierce is in. Otherwise, it's just not, you know, a spot that anybody is likely to hit their ceiling, I don't think, from the Houston side. Yeah, I do think a lot of that for the Giants' defense is the offense has been controlling the ball. The Giants are actually um, sixth in plays against. You know, teams just aren't running a whole bunch of plays against them. They are – they're 26th in uh, football outsiders' run defense, DVOA, over the past five weeks. So it's a good matchup for Damian Pierce. We know he's going to get the, the ball on the ground. Um, did not see a target last week, but ran around on 56% of the pass plays, which was well ahead of Rex Burkett. So, uh, you know – I I do think Pierce is still a good bet for a handful of targets. He had seen like four plus targets and I think four straight games prior to last week. So I mean, he, he, still, he still remains a pretty easy RB one. Yeah. And I would say the fact that they were successfully running him last week, probably, and probably the game was closer than anticipated yeah. uh, helped him not getting targets in that game. I would love to not use Brandon cooks in this game. Still not practicing Wednesday. Cause his wrist is still sad that he didn't get traded wide receiver 35 in our rankings right now. You know, in that range, I would just I'd, I'd rather lean towards somebody with an actual ceiling to chase. Yeah, it does sound like Cooks was back out there today. We'll get the official report later. You can check Shark Bites. Um, so I, I'm betting on him playing. But I'm with you. I'm not excited. I mean, the volume wasn't there before this whole saga. It looks like Nico Collins is going to be back this week. So that's more target competition for Cooks. Um, yeah, just just not 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 an exciting fantasy play at this point. Yeah, and people just have to wonder when you come back from time by yourself with a wrist injury. On the Giants side, Houston, very positive so far for running back scoring by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Positive for tight ends. Thank you to Dallas Goddard uh, last time out. Negative for quarterbacks and wide receivers. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is dominating, and he's in everybody's lineups every week. Daniel Jones is 11th in our rankings right now. And I don't like it, but I think he's there more because there's no one good behind him than because he's good and because the rushing gives him some floor. Yeah, so we we know Houston's horrible against the run. And, you know, these these lead backs against him have been having massive games. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, the last three weeks have gone off against Houston. I did look at this as far as, like, running quarterbacks against Houston. Justin Fields had eight carries for 47 yards against them. So, you know, that, that that's, like, about what he had been doing at that point of the season. That was That was early on. 
Uh, Malik Willis had five carries for just 23 yards. Jalen Hurts had nine carries for just 23 yards. Is that predictive at all? Like, do we think somehow Houston's decent against running quarterbacks, even though they're so bad against the run in general? I, I, I don't know what to do with that because, you know, it might mean we should lower Jones's rushing projection. I have a hard time believing that it's predictive, but I'd have to look at the number of designed runs for those quarterbacks. Cause that was at a, a point where Justin Fields was not getting designed right. runs. I don't remember many designed Jalen hurts runs from that Thursday game, but I can't say that I, you know, yeah. have that for sure in my head. Yeah. I mean, cause I do think with Jones, like you're going to need it to come on the ground. Cause I the giants just aren't going to have to throw much in this game. You know, we've seen teams just be able to run, run, run on Houston and that that's, you know, very likely going to be the giants game plan as well. So I don't, I don't love Jones in the rankings where he is either, but again, it is, it is being, you know, fueled by that rushing projection. Yeah. And I looked at him and I was like, Oh, I don't like Daniel Jones there. And I looked behind him and I was like, Oh, I don't like any of those other guys there either. So I guess we'll just go with that and see what happens. I'd, I'd probably start Garoppolo over Jones who we we can get to uh, a bit later here, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it's close. I'd be okay with that. He's um, nicer to look at at least. Wandale Robinson. I've gotten a surprising number of questions about whether Wandale Robinson's going to break out. And I just, I don't think that that is within the range of outcomes. I certainly think, you know, solid volume going forward is quite possible. Leading the Giants in receptions the rest of the way, I would say is likely. Breakout, I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah, if you're talking breakout like, top 20 wide receiver the rest of the way. I don't think I don't think he's that type of player. You know, he's going to be the low ADAC guy, um, more of a floor play than a ceiling play. The Giants in general aren't going to throw a whole lot. And again, just this week in particular, I don't think the Giants are going to throw up more than like 25 times. So, um, you know, Robinson is a guy I tried not to use. He's okay in, in PPR. You know, he, he should lead the team in targets and he should be efficient with those. Um, but again, I still think it's going to be a high pass volume game from the Giants. Yeah, I think he's okay in PPR is going to be his outlook from this point forward. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Jacksonville at Kansas City, Chiefs by nine and a half, over under 50 and a half in this one. Implied totals, Chiefs 30, Jaguars 20 and a half. So, you know, you look at the, the total points and think shootout. I think the better expectation is Chiefs will not have any trouble scoring and the Jaguars will have to pass yep. a lot. Now, that would seem to add upside for the quarterback. We've had... <laughs> Trevor Lawrence go over 20 fantasy points in three of the past four games. We probably will get elevated passing volume in this one unless Jacksonville manages to keep it closer than expected. But Trevor Lawrence, we've had over 40 pass attempts in three losses so far this season. He had one total passing touchdown across those three games. He reached 20 fantasy points in just one of those games. It was against the Giants where he did top 300 yards passing, but it took like 51 attempts in that game. He needed a rushing touchdown. So basically, Trevor Lawrence trailing and pressing to catch up has not been a good situation for the Jaguars or for his fantasy upside so far this year. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Now, Lawrence coming off his best PFF passing grade of the season last week. Um, he was actually second in the entire league in PFF passing grade. And that is a game they trailed for um, at least the first half, right? They they were down 17 zip at one point, I believe. So that's encouraging. We've seen Lawrence be up and down all season. Though. I would not be surprised if he turns into dud, you know, on the road against Kansas City if he does fall behind. But, um, you know, this Chiefs defense is not very good. They're 26th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. Lawrence's rushing is also up lately, too. I mean, we know about the rushing touchdowns. That's kind of almost artificially inflated his fantasy production because he can't count on those, but he does have um, 4.6 carries and 25 rushing yards per game over the last five weeks. Now if we can get 20, 25 rushing yards, 
per game out of him, which I think is possible the rest of the way. You know, that obviously helps 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 the fantasy value. Yeah, and there have been some designed runs in recent games. Not a lot. Um, actually, not very many at all. He had three last week, which was a season high. Week before that, zero. One the week before that, according to PFF numbers. So it's not something that they're working in, but it's certainly something that he's capable of doing when the opportunity presents itself. I We have Trevor Lawrence ahead of Daniel Jones. I would play Trevor Lawrence ahead of Daniel Jones. I think Trevor Lawrence versus Tom Brady is basically a coin flip this week. I would not be surprised if he's in the top eight. I would not be surprised if he chokes and throws a couple of picks in this matchup. Yes, for sure. Evan Ingram limited Wednesday with the back issue that limited his playing time in week nine. Uh, we'll see about him the rest of this week. If he's not yeah. questionable, then I'm probably not reaching for a lineup replacement. But if Evan Ingram is questionable come Friday, like regardless of what his <clears throat> status ultimately is, then I'm going to be worried about him because he's not been good at playing through injuries in his career. Yeah, just classic Evan Ingram. It's just looking like we could count on him. And then he you know, has this back injury. Um, matchup is good. On Sunday, the Chiefs are 28th against tight ends. Again, should be a high volume game for the Jags passing offense. So it's a good spot for Ingram, but I'm with you. I'd, I'd definitely like to see a full practice on Thursday or Friday to feel good about using him. If you have Pitts and Ingram, I would definitely play Kyle Pitts tonight. I think other guys in the area with Evan Ingram um, heading into Sunday, Dalton Schultz, Darren yeah. Waller, Zach Ertz. We'll see about the injury stats. If we get a full Ingram today, full Ingram Friday, and he's off the final injury report, I think it's fine to go ahead and play him. If he, again, if he's questionable, though, I'm playing all three of those guys over Ingram this week. Yeah, I'm with you on using Pitts tonight, if that's your decision. On the KC side, not too many guys really worth talking about. McCall Hardman did not practice Wednesday, has an abdominal injury. We'll see about him the rest of the week. His absence would probably be good for Kadarius Tony, but we need to see a lot more Kadarius Tony playing time before we're really considering using him in fantasy. Yeah, it does sound like Hardman's issue is minor. Uh, Andy Reid called it soreness, you know, I think rather than an actual injury. So I'm expecting Hardman to play. He's been awesome lately. Uh, he's actually seventh among wide receivers and fantasy points over his last three games, but that's come on just 5.7 targets per game. You know, he's been scoring touchdowns at an absurd rate. So um, he is playing well. He's, you know, he's playing better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So, you know, maybe we see Hardman get more playing time going forward. Um, but the upside's obviously there, but he's still, he's still a low floor guy. Just know that if you're putting him in fantasy lineups. His playing time has been solid the past two games, too. He's 63%, 54% the last two times out after three straight of less than 50%. So it hasn't fallen off as they've added other guys. You know, otherwise, I think Juju is in most starting lineups. And, and then the studs you don't bother talking about. The backfield at this point is probably not really worth talking about either because I have no idea if any of them is actually going to lead things yeah. enough to be truly startable. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon played 63% of the offensive snaps last week. Now, my guess is that it's because the Chiefs were actually trailing for a lot of that game. And, you know, that McKinnon's been that guy most of the season. So if this game goes more according to script, I won't be surprised if McKinnon's, you know, second or even third among the running backs and snaps. But it's definitely worth monitoring. Like, there should be fantasy value in this backfield right now. There's not. I mean, you can't trust any of these guys in, in, in Week 10 fantasy lineups. He's been playing more than CEH pretty regularly, though, regardless of game script. It looks like he's the preferred receiver overall over Clyde edwards Lair. So, yeah, again, they're all just playing too much yeah. for any one of them to stand out. I'm curious now, like we heard heading into the San Francisco game, I think that was the game where they said Isaiah Pacheco was going to start. Yep. The two games since that was <laughs> announced 
have both been against defenses that are tough on the run and softer against the pass. So I'll be curious yep. to see if we get more Isaiah Pacheco this week, but I, I can't predict it going in and say that Pacheco's a good option. Right. Yeah, I mean, we we have Pacheco as our highest ranked Chiefs running back this week. He's at RB36 to give you an idea of, you know, how low all those guys are. Clyde Rosalaire, I mean, my God, we were calling him a sound. Like, I, like we knew things were going to get worse. But, you know, he, he trailed McKinnon and Pacheco in pass routes last week. Like, you know, if he's not even going to get a good amount of pass routes, like he's – I'm not saying he's cuttable, but he, he should be nowhere near starting lineups right now. He probably is cuttable if we're being honest too. Yeah. Colts at Raiders. Raiders by six in this one over under 42 and a half. We get the beginning of the Jeff Saturday era this Sunday, Jared. He's sticking with Sam Ellinger at quarterback. We'll see if that's really all about Sam Ellinger or if it's also semi-related at least to Matt Ryan still missing practice with his shoulder yeah. injury. He was not out there Wednesday. You know, the quarterback... <laughs> situation has to show something before really before that's relevant for fantasy i think it's mostly relevant for michael Pittman, and i think that we probably should look two weeks back for the fairer bar on michael Pittman than last week against the patriots i think he's gonna be okay in target share and i doubt that most games are going to be quite as bad as they were for sam elliott yeah. And even last week was okay target share wise, right? I'm looking it up for now. He had six targets on 29 passes. Um, he had Pittman has a 29% target share total from Sam Ellinger over the past two games, 15 total targets, 67% catch rate. That's nice. 7.5 yards per catch. And the eight out has just been super low. So he's getting all these short targets. I, I think Pittman's okay. If you're using him as a wide receiver three, there's, there's, you know, very little upside here in this offense right now. Yeah, he's. He, I, I guess he's probably like Deontay Johnson. I said Terry <laughs> McLaurin before, but I think Taylor Heineke throws downfield more and has yeah. more upside than um, Sam Ellinger does. But, uh, you know, I think the Kenny Pickett probably has more upside than Sam Ellinger. But right now he's a shorter range guy. And that's what we're looking at for Michael Pittman. So I'm not dumping Michael Pittman. I'm not excited to use him. But in wide receiver three range, I certainly think he can work. And funny timing. I just saw it tweeted out that the Raiders are placing Darren Waller on IR because he aggravated his hamstring injury. So that all of a sudden makes Foster Moreau an option for this game, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, So Moreau, 95 and 88% route rates in his last two games. He saw a 23% target share in week eight down to 14% in week nine. But again, I mean, those route rates that that, those, that's not something you see out of many tight ends. Um, And the Colts are a uh, above average matchup for tight ends. They're 23rd and adjusted points allowed to tight end. So, you know, we had Waller, I think like tight end 11 in our ranks, assuming he'd be back this week. I think Moreau is going to end up probably in that exact spot, maybe a spot or two lower, but he, he's going to be, you know, a, a borderline top 12 guy, I think. And it certainly can't hurt him that Hunter Renfro is still limited Wednesday with both hamstring and rib issues, which to me, Jared, sounds like the combo platter of risk to leave the game early. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we've said Renfro's cuttable at this point. He's just not playing a big role in this offense. Mm-hmm. We'll stick with the Raiders side and then go back to the Colts. In two wins so far, Derek Carr has 188 and 241 passing yards, so two of his three lowest passing yardage totals um, this season. The Colts have tightened up on run D. They're healthier on defense. They're up to 11th in overall defensive DVOA. So I'm not sure. I don't think that this is a matchup that points to either area of the Raiders offense being in a great spot. I think it's just going to be an ugly game for fantasy points where nobody's really hitting their ceiling. Yeah, I mean, it really should be a Josh Jacobs game for the Raiders, you know, against this 
Colts offense, which, you know, who knows what to expect out of it. Yeah, I mean, Carr's 24th among quarterbacks in fantasy points per game. He has just three top 10 weeks this season. Like, to me, he's he, he's he's not a guy you want to be starting. And even within that, I think it'll be more like a Josh Jacobs, 26 carries for 88 and a touchdown than, you know, another one of those 140 yard games. Yep. Agreed. On the other side, we touched on the offense a little bit before Darren Waller news interrupted, but the Raiders D is in a great spot because the Colts offense has been terrible. It's way ahead of everyone else in adjusted fantasy points allowed Two team defenses. You can check Mm -hmm. our adjusted fantasy points allowed page to see just how large that gap is and who is closest. Jonathan Taylor limited Wednesday. Good news for the Colts. And actually it was Deion Jackson who was not practicing because the weight of fantasy expectations last (laughs) week crushed one of his knees. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he went down like he got shot with that knee injury i was shocked he came back into the game um so we'll see if he plays but i mean if john i mean if jonathan taylor plays i think most fancy teams are starting him um it's obviously a bad situation behind a o-line that's been bad but i mean taylor has averaged 17.8 carries and 4.2 targets per game this season like if he's in there i assume he's gonna get the ball and you know that that makes him a, a decent fantasy play not not excited about him though it certainly wouldn't make much sense for the team to start him if he's a decoy. Uh, there's a whole lot more injury risk than there is potential upside for the offense there, I think. Yeah, for sure. And he is still averaging. It's a bad season, but he's still averaging 4.3 yards per carry. It's not like I he's Leonard yeah. Fournette out there. Yeah, he's still Jonathan Taylor. Like, buy him in Dynasty if there's any opening right now. Arizona at the Rams Rams by one and a half. It's down one and a half from where it opened over under 43 and a half. And the story here is both quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford's in the concussion protocol that came out after last week's games a couple days ago. I think it came out. Kyler Murray is dealing with a hamstring mm-hmm. issue. So we're going to need to wait until the weekend to really be able to answer most of the questions on these two offenses. It's like, if you look at the pick lines on underdog right now, the this game is completely off yeah and you know we do still have kyler and stafford projected in right now well if you know we'll see what we hear over the next you know four or five hours and try to update that stuff before tonight's game if we know more um i mean stafford landed in the protocol on tuesday you know when when guys go in the protocol on sunday they're you know 50 50 for the next week's game so his his window is a lot smaller so he he's definitely iffy as we said it's john walford their backup um he actually started uh, a couple of years ago against Arizona in the, the season finale, he got a win in that game. He wasn't great. He did run for like 56 yards though. He's a, he's a mobile guy. He can add some of that definitely more than Stafford does. Um, and then, yeah, Kyler did not practice on Wednesday, although it was it a walkthrough. I think they didn't actually practice. Uh, Ian Rappaport had a, a short video this morning saying like, it's not a serious injury, but also said, you know, that Kyler's status for this week is up in the air. So it doesn't seem like a multi-week thing, but definitely a chance that Kyler, doesn't play this week either. Um, Colt McCoy is the Cardinals backup. So it could be McCoy V Walford on Sunday. Oh God. The Cardinals also lost starting guard, Will Hernandez to IR with a pectoral injury this week. He's not their top graded run blocker or pass blocker, but a starter for them and not a guy who stinks outright. So that can only hurt an offense that's been struggling yeah. anyway. I would certainly want to not use, I don't want to say not use Kyler Murray. I would certainly have Kyler Murray as a risk this week and knock him down behind several guys who are around him in the rankings at the moment. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes over the next few days, though. But I, I'm definitely open to dropping Kyler at least a few spots because, I mean, you know, uh, uh, hamstring for a pocket quarterback is not a big deal. But for Kyler, and especially, you know, we talk about this O-line. It's been so bad all season. Even when, even half the time Kyler throws, it's, you know, after sidestepping an oncoming rusher. So, like, if he's if he doesn't have that mobility, um, it's definitely going to be a problem. Yeah, so keep an eye on Shark Bites. Keep an eye on the rankings. Lots of movement likely coming for this game. Um, we'll see about the health of those two quarterbacks and everybody around them. Anybody else worth discussing specifically with you know with that up in the air still? I think uh, James Conner we should talk about. Um, you know, he didn't deliver big numbers in the box score last week, but he he did return as Arizona's clearly back. Played seventy two percent of the snaps, ran her out on sixty five percent of the pass plays got five targets, a 14% target share. So the, the usage was pretty strong. I mean, th- this, the fact that this offense isn't good kind of, you know, caps the upside. It's not as high as we thought it was going to be before the season started. But um, if you're going to get, you know, two thirds of the backfield work going Connor's way, you know, he, he's going to be a fantasy starter going forward. Wow. Here's a question from YouTube, Jared. We've got Alvin Kamara or Travis Etienne. <laughs> that is a strong backfield. If you have to decide between those guys to play this week, what's your preference? That's uh, Camara for me. Um, just I think Etienne's a bit riskier if they fall behind, and his passing game role has been okay, but it hasn't been as big as we thought it was going to be. I just think Etienne has a slightly lower floor, which would make me go with Camara. Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between them, I would lean the same <laughs> way for the same reasons. But you're talking about like which of these top six running backs yeah. do I sit this week? So I would hope to be able to use both. I mean, it looks like you probably won your fantasy league if you're actually making that decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first of all, congratulations. (laughs) Second of all, we'll play Camara this week. All right, Dallas at Green Bay. Cowboys by five on the road, over under 43. Zeke Elliott limited practice Wednesday, and then afterward he said he needs more reps to know whether he'll play. He also said that the focus is on making sure that they that he's healthy for the playoffs, they can make a deep run in the playoffs. So that tells me, Jared, that even if he is ready to play in this game, he's even open to and you know probably talking to coaches about a little bit more limited role versus usual so that makes me feel better about tony pollard as yeah. a week 10 option yeah we'll see on zeke i mean right now we haven't projected for you know a bit less work than he had been getting this season maybe we'll slice him a bit more i think yeah, i think he's probably going to be like an rb3 play if he plays it is a good matchup against uh green bay who has not been good against the run they've been pretty solid against the pass actually so i do think it's going to be you know a run leaning game plan from dallas um yeah, Pollard. Did you see uh, the Cowboys running backs coach quote about Tony Pollard? He said he said they 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 don't want to have him play more than thirty snaps in a game because oh, they yeah, think he he like he like wears down at that point. So and and that's what we saw. You know, last time out without Zeke Elliott, Pollard still did not you know get the workhorse horse role we kind of expected him to. So that's disappointing. But like still, if we get fifteen touches out of Tony Pollard, you know, he's a pretty solid fantasy play. Yeah, just only put him on the field when he's going to get the ball, and then we'll be sure. fine with that. Coach. <laughs> Yeah, the Packers are a negative matchup so far on defense for quarterback scoring, wide receiver scoring and tight end scoring. I'm not worried about CD lamb. I think he can mm-hmm. avoid Jair Alexander a lot by going in the slot, which he does anyway. And Jair Alexander doesn't travel in there. That could change in a given game, but we've already seen green Bay not make sure that Alexander follows Justin Jefferson around the field, which would seem like an obvious <laughs> game in which to do so. So I'm not worried about CD lamb for this matchup. I also am not really worried about the tight end matchup. Like Dalton Schultz is not a a top shelf option anyway, but from where he is, the Packers sit just 21st in football outsiders, tight end coverage DVOA and linebacker Devondre Campbell looks like he's going to miss another game with his knee injury. He's graded strong in coverage. 
in his time in Green Bay. So if he's out, that should open up the middle of the field a bit for uh, Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I'm actually pretty optimistic on Schultz going forward here. He might be a guy to go out and try to trade for over the next couple of days um, if you don't have you know a top five tight end. Um, 12 targets for Dalton Schultz over Dallas's last two games with Dak Prescott. That was a 23% target share. Um, you know, and, and, and coming up, you know, he's struggled with that knee injury, like all season, you know, hopefully coming off the bye now he's, he's a bit healthier. Right? I think he's on the injury report still, but I believe he was a full practice on Wednesday. So, you know, again, if, um, if he, if he's healthy, he should be, you know, a pretty nice target bet at the position. Mm-hmm. And Dak Prescott, I think, I think it's a floor option this week. I don't, yeah. I'm not chasing yep. ceiling, but three straight games, the Packers have allowed two touchdown passes. Dak Prescott was very good the last time out, had the bye to rest up further. I think that they'll probably not overdo it on passing volume. I think they'll beat the Packers in this game. Uh, so I think he's fine. And in the range where he is in the quarterback rankings, there are guys like I would play Dak over Kyler Murray for anybody who has that decision for some reason, because I think he's a bit safer, but I wouldn't elevate him too high or chase him in DFS because I'm not sure the ceiling's there. Yeah, exactly. He sits where he does because we have Dallas projected to go run heavy, which, again, is what teams have been doing against Green Bay. I think Dallas will be able to. Dallas, by the way, has been like perfectly neutral as far as pass rate over expected in the two games since Dak Prescott returns. I don't know if they're going to you know, turn into last year's pass heavy offense, and I don't expect them to in this game. But, yeah, I do think Dak will be efficient. Uh, you mentioned Devondre Campbell being out. looks like Eric Stokes, one of their cornerbacks, is going to miss this game. We know Rashawn Gary's out of this game, so lots of injuries on the Packers defense. Yeah. And just like a a team that could be packing it in pretty soon. If we look at how they performed in green Bay, all the injuries and every uh, Aaron Rodgers press conference, he can say what he wants about (laughs) people are going to count us out, but uh, you deserve to be counted out at this point. Positively though, on the Packers side, Aaron Jones already back for a limited practice Wednesday. So we worried about the knee injury. Obviously we'll have to watch him this week, but Mm -hmm. that's a good sign. Is it knee or is it ankle? Ankle. Ankle. You know, even before the injury last week, though, it was nine carries and two targets for Aaron Jones, eight carries, one target for AJ Dillon. So it, it, this has kind of become tough to project. Like it, it's either a 50 50 split or it's like, you know, 70 30 Jones. It's like somewhere in that range. Like I don't think you can project Dillon to be the leader in this backfield, but, you know, figuring out exactly what, it, what it's going to look like has been tough. And, and again, especially with Jones playing through this ankle injury, I'm kind of expecting it to be closer to a 50 50 split this week. Yeah, I think that we should head into most games expecting it to be more of a split. We've had a few spots where they take A.J. Dillon out of the game, but certainly when Aaron Jones heads in with an ankle issue, that should um, push for more A.J. Dillon. And Green Bay should try to keep it on the ground the way they did against Buffalo because the pass defense is much tougher on the other side of this one. Let's see, though, if they keep doing it while falling behind as they did in Buffalo. Maybe they can keep this game a little bit closer. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think in the Packers passing game, it's just Alan Lazard. 23% target share last week, 21% target share over his last five games. And now we have no Romeo Dobbs. He's going to miss at least a few games with his injury. Sammy Watkins didn't practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. Um, you know, He's always banged up. So I, I do think Lazard is a good volume bet, even in this struggling passing game. Yes, I agree. I think Alan Lazard is a fairly comfortable play in this one, the range where he is in the rankings. Chargers at 49ers, 49ers by seven over under 45 and a half here. Niners have the third highest implied total this week, trailing only the Chiefs and the Eagles. Chargers are under 20 points, and I I don't have any exact stats on that, but I feel like that's abnormal for the Chargers offense. 
For sure, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I disagree with it. I mean, they were pretty underwhelming last week in a great spot against Atlanta. Um, you know, tougher here going on the road against San Francisco. We know the Chargers' left tackle, Rashawn Slater, is out. Their right tackle, Trey Pipkins, is iffy for this game as well. And, you know, that's bad timing to be missing your two tackles against this Niners pass rush. So it's, it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be an efficient game from the Chargers. I think the passing game is just propped up by the fact that they're, they're probably going to throw it 40-plus times again. Yeah, Keenan Allen, though, will probably not be involved in that. No practice Wednesday, still with his hamstring issue. He said recently that he's not going to get back in until the hamstring is all the way ready. So certainly doesn't seem like he's on track to play this week. Brandon Staley said Wednesday he called Mike Williams more like week to week, quote unquote. So it doesn't sound like Mike Williams is going to be in there this week. Justin Herbert uh, didn't do a whole lot against the Falcons last week. They needed help from Taquan Graham to be able to score 20 (laughs) points and win that one. So I, Justin Herbert's behind Dak Prescott for me this week, because I think the floor is lower and I'm not worried about missing any high ceiling with him this week. I was surprised to see the Niners are 31st in pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. And they, they've kind of been like middle of the pack earlier in the season, um, but they've, they've struggled recently. So maybe it's not as tough a matchup again. I'm worried about the pass rush for Herbert, um, but I do think he can have some success when he does drop back. And it, 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 it's going to, we know where it's going. It's Austin Eckler, Josh Palmer, and Gerald Everett. Those are, you know, the clear top three guys. I think that all are going to get enough volume to be decent fantasy plays this week. Uh, the only place that it really looks like they struggled, I guess you could say that they struggled against Atlanta where um, Mariota went 13 of 14 for 129 and two touchdowns. Then Patrick Mahomes had the big one. It's Patrick Mahomes, but Matthew Stafford last time out, just 187 and a touchdown. Um, the only other quarterback to throw a touchdown against them besides those three guys has been Justin Fields back in week one. So I, I, I don't, I don't think it's as positive a matchup as the DVOA says. I'm certainly not completely out on Justin Herbert, but I do think that he's riskier. Like I wanted to go ahead and believe in Justin Herbert with my pick plays last week on underdog, despite the wide receivers not being there. And it, he didn't bring it home for me. <laughs> he did not. Uh, 49ers D is ninth in overall um, DVOA. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Josh Palmer, mm-hmm. fine volume bet. Uh, I, I'm trying to avoid other guys. And I know that Jared, you and I disagree a bit on Gerald Everett for this one. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, Everett is um, a super safe volume bet for his position. Um, you know, again, with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out 19% target share for Gerald Everett last week, actually set a season high in route rate at 80%. Now that kind of been the concern for him, but I, I do think with, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out that um, they're going to you know have to have Everett out there for the majority of pass play. So, you know, he has seven, nine and eight targets over his last three games, five catches and all those. Again, I, I just think he's, you know, relative to most other tight ends. He's a, he's a safe bet for volume. I will give him that he's a safe volume bet relative to most tight ends. He's also got two games of double digit PPR points among his past six. Um, even last week, he wasn't like on the field and running routes quite at quite to the degree of Greg Dulcich and the Foster Moreau numbers you mentioned earlier. And there's been some other fluctuations. We'll see if mm-hmm. Donald Parham is back for this game. I think that could affect um, Gerald Everett's availability. Basically, the floor is fine. I think if you're looking for somebody to score you eight PPR points, he's a good bet. I'm not scared of missing out on the ceiling. So if you have a decision between Gerald Everett and Greg Dulcich or even Pat Fryermuth uh, this week, I'm playing either one of those guys. I would also play Kyle Pitts over him tonight. Yeah, so uh, Parham's an IR, so he's not oh, that's an right. issue um, for at least the next few weeks. Um, and again, assuming Keenan and Michael Williams are out, I'd, I'll, I'll take um, Everett's volume. Was Parham out the night, the week before? I know he missed the Atlanta game, but did he miss the game before that? He missed 
he missed one. He came back for one. He came back for one game, um, and then because he had a concussion, then he hurt his hamstring in practice. He played week. Sorry, he played week five and six, so he did mm-hmm. not play last week, and he didn't play the week before that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I don't hate Everett. There are a few guys in there where we might disagree, but it's, you know, if you have that specific decision, then it's close. We'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, any uh, on the San Francisco side of this game, any, anything sneaky that you're going for? I mean, I, I mentioned Jimmy G as a spot start option this weekend. You mentioned the implied total was it the Niners have the third highest implied total on the week and Garoppolo, his last four games, he's finished quarterback, eight quarterback, 11 quarterback, seven quarterback, 14. Um, so he's, been getting there for fantasy. The Niners have actually been a slightly pass leaning offense under Jimmy Garoppolo. They're uh, plus two percent in pass rate over expected over the last four games. Um, gets Debo Samuel back this week. Obviously has Christian McCaffrey, um, and you know the Chargers D just you know has been average against the pass. Um, so I think Garoppolo is a decent uh, spot start option this week if you need one. Yeah, Joey Bosa, they say, is getting close to returning, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to play this week. And that defense is still missing other pieces and just hasn't been as good as it should be, you know, like the Chargers in general. I don't see anything else sneaky. Like the other guys are there. You can check the rankings to see exactly where they go. Debo Samuel might even be a little bit low in our rankings because he did come back to a full practice on Wednesday. So it seems like he's ready to be a full go. Yeah, it's just a target squeeze for Debo at this point. You know, like, I mean, this will be the first game we get with a full Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Ayuk and George Kittle. Um, and like, you know, there's not a ton of volume. To go. Like one or two of those guys is going to get squeezed out every week. It, it's tough to sit them because they all have big upside. Um, but there's just there's just not enough pass volume to go around for all four of those guys. And and, and McCaffrey's not going to be the guy that gets left out if, you know, the 49ers last game is in the indication. He just played such a massive role. Washington at Philly to close it out on Monday night. Eagles by 11 in this one over under 44. Jared, this one's easy. Play every Eagle, play no commanders. And I, it's not, I don't really mean it to that degree. I think Antonio Gibson's okay. I also think he has lots of potential to disappoint. I would be playing Cordero Patterson tonight over Antonio Gibson, which I think is different than what our rankings have. Well, we should talk about the Eagles run defense, which hasn't been good for a little while and obviously got, you know, crushed by Damian Pierce last Thursday night. Um, Philly's 29th in football outsiders run defense DBOA over the past five weeks. They're giving up 5.2 yards per carry to running backs over that span. So I, I do think Washington's run game could have some success here for as long as they're able to keep it close. Um, but I mean, the, the argument for, for Gibson is the passing game role, you know, with JD McKissick likely out again, it looks like he's going to miss some time. You know, you're getting, you know, maybe 10 or so carries out of Gibson plus most of the pass pass catching work. Yeah, I'm just not sure how much volume that is worth. It didn't get him there last week. Um, he used touchdowns to get there a couple weeks before. I'm not sure how much rushing work's coming because it's going to be split among those guys. It's also a bad run game to begin with. So, I mean, it's just one of those where I can understand the path. And if he finds the end zone, it'll look like a good play. But I think there's a much better chance that Patterson scores tonight than that Gibson scores against Philly on Sunday, on Monday. Yep, I'll give you that. I think I, I think you know Gibson sits ahead in our PPR rankings because of the target projection. Otherwise, Terry McLaurin, he's fine. I think I would rather take a shot this week though on George Pickens or Alan Lazard. Yeah, I mean the matchup's brutal for McLaurin. Although he did go for 102 yards when these teams met back in Week Three, but Philly's fourth in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. It's really just a volume thing for McLaurin. He's up to a 27% target share from Heineke. Saw 32% of Washington's targets last week. 27% over the past three weeks. Uh, I mean, that, you know, that's a 
level where it's, it's kind of hard to sit a wide receiver getting that type of volume, even if it is, you know, from Taylor Heineke. Yep. That's fair. And I'm certainly not knocking uh, Terry McLaurin out of starter range by any means. I would play him over Michael Pittman for sure. Me too. Anything else from that game? Uh, no, Eagles, Eagles are easy. Start all your Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and you, you look at it, Washington's a tough run defense. So you think maybe I don't start Miles Sanders. I'm sure there are cases where you might not. And that's really the whole point of the week 10 rankings, but overall not calling Miles Sanders a sit. Yeah. Tough ind- individual matchup, but you know, you got a team with a what 27 and a half point implied total, you know, Sanders is a, is a pretty good touchdown, but right. Well, that's going to do it for this week 10 preview edition of the podcast. Become a DS insider today. If you haven't already, for some reason, you can see exactly where we rank all these guys, see exactly who we would start over the others. And you can get personalized recommendations for your team on the team Intel pages. You can use the trade navigator. If your trade deadline has not passed yet, you can use the free agent finder to see exactly who the best pickup is in your league. We will look into the league that you sync to our website, tell you who's available, tell you who's the best pickup either for this week or the rest of the season, but only if you're a DS insider. If you're not a DS insider and you want to see more, head to draftsharks.com. We got some free stuff. You can read all of my top picks for underdog pickums for this week, 114 and 70 on the year. That's just taking all the yardage props. It takes our projections for the week, compares the available lines on Wednesday morning on underdog, looks at the biggest gaps, 114 and 70 so far. So if you look at that every week and play him, you will have made quite a bit of money so far. Timmy Hernandez's pass rate over expected is also free to read on draftsharks.com right now. And, you know, we'd appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, review, follow the podcast anywhere you like to get your podcasts. All of that stuff helps us and we appreciate it. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.